Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge program. The Fatherhood Challenge is a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability of an environment and culture. We're going to encourage and challenge each other to step up and do courageous things that make our families and communities better places. So let's get to it. Thank you so much for joining me. It's always good to have you with me. My guest is Andrew Bauman. He's the founder and director of the Christian Counseling Center for Sexual Health and Trauma. Andrew is a licensed mental health counselor with a Master of Arts in Counseling Psychology from the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. Andrew is the author of many books that include The Sexually Healthy Man, Floating Away, Stumbling Towards Wholeness, The Psychology of Porn, and authored with his wife, Dr. Christy Bauman, A Brave Lament, which is also an award-winning film. He's also written many articles found on his site at andrewbauman.com. We will mention links and resources as we get towards the end of the episode. Andrew, thank you so much for being with us here. It is it is truly an honor to have you here. Uh, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. So true to tradition, we like to just kick things off with a little bit of humor. So uh, I would love to know what your favorite dad joke is. <laughs> well, luckily, I was I was prepared for this. So <laughs> I I searched high and low and this one got me. This one got me. What do you call Batman after he skips church? Hmm. What 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 do you call him? Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> that is truly original. That's a keeper. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one, right? Keep keep that one. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and just get right on into it. Yes. So what exactly is going on in the world today? It feels like now more than ever, the deck is really stacked against dads. Is there some kind of an ulterior motive that's going on on the dark spiritual side of things, like some kind of force? Um, or have dads just earned this strife on their own? Yeah, um, I, I truly believe it, it. it's most likely both. Um, I, I actually believe in spiritual warfare. I believe that there is, uh, you know, darkness and evil trying to kill, steal and destroy us. And yet I also feel like there's generations of failures uh, of men who have failed, who have not taken seriously um, the internal work um, the emotional health to become healthy so that they can parent well. Um, and I know that's my own story of growing up in many ways orphaned from my own father. And and that is sadly something I see all the time. So I truly believe there there's a both a both and there. Okay. Well, I mean, I've always thought when you look at most issues going on in the world, like for example, all you have to do is just turn on the news. And most of the major issues that are driving abnormal behaviors, at least this is my belief, you can trace them back generations to uh, some male at some origin. So it could have been a guy who 
was a dad. It could go back to a grandparent. It could even go back to a great grandparent who I'm just throwing this out there. They might've been an alcoholic and this started back several generations and that alcoholic would have started several generations of abusers. And just like that, you've got an abuse history in that family. So am I totally off the mark or is this valid or can you just look and see on the news? And I mean, if you just singled out just one person in the news, that's causing a lot of drama or whatever the case may be. If you really look back, is this true? Could you trace it back to a dad or a grandparent or something at some point? Yeah, we, we all have our stories, right? And so everybody, we are impacted by the story we are born into. We don't choose the story that we're born into. Um, and so we all have to do that type of work internally of engaging our story, um, dealing with both the heartache of our lives, the trauma of our lives, so we don't continue that cycle, right? So we don't continue um, that harm and abuse. Um, one, way, one way to say it is we can only lead our children where we have gone ourselves. So we want them to be emotionally centered adults. We have to do that work internally. We as dads have to break some of the socialization of masculinity that says we're supposed to be hard, <laughs> tough, violent, and that's what makes us a man, rather than emotionally vulnerable. Uh, truly, I believe that is the essence of masculinity and what actually takes the most courage is to be a vulnerable, a vulnerable man who, who can truly look at his own life and break generational curses so we no longer pass that on to our own kids. Well, that makes me think of, of a question right off the bat, which is at what point have we become toxic in our definition of masculinity? Has it always been that way or is there a certain point where it turned that way? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly if I can point to a time in history um, you know, besides just obviously sin and, and whatnot. Um, but I truly believe there's something around power um, that can corrupt. And when we get a taste of that power and it feels good, in a sense, we no longer share power. We hoard it and we power over rather than power with. And that's what I truly believe makes the healthiest marriages, um, the healthiest parenting when you parent with your partner um, to, to share power and then to lead your family from that place of mutuality. So it sounds like it really comes down to understanding who you are, who you were meant to be, both as a yes. man and as a father. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Will you do your own work to become reflective rather than reactive? I remember, I don't know, 20 something years ago, I was watching that movie and it just came out, um, Finding Nemo. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, and all of a sudden I'm watching it with some of my friends and I just start crying, tearing up. And I'm like, you know, kind of embarrassed, wiping my face. And then step back, you know, later I'm like, why, why was I crying at Finding Nemo? You know, what's wrong with me? What's rather than being curious. And then so finally I started being curious. What was being evoked in me? What was my body telling me. And I remember the whole premise of a father seeking out his son. 
and knowing my own story of longing for my father to find me, longing for, would my father seek me out? And sadly, the answer was no. And that broke my heart. And so this film elicited emotion in me that pointed me deeper inward towards my own healing. It pointed me to work I needed to do, which was continuing to grieve the father that I always longed for that I never received. You know, it's interesting you bring that up. I had the exact same feeling and emotions in that movie. And not just that movie. There are several other movies that I've watched since then where there is a very strong father figure character uh, in the movie. And in all those cases where I see that, it feels like I start grieving all over again because I did not have that in my life. And I'm looking this ideal at this ideal being played out right on the screen before my yeah. eyes. Exactly. Exactly. Instead of being judgmental or being harsh, oh, I can't, I'm that weak. I'm that. Can we be curious of what our bodies are telling us where we still need to be tender towards the unhealed wounds within us? There's a meme I posted on the fatherhood challenge uh, page. And it's something to the fact of a father saying to his son, I gave you what I always wanted, but never had. And that to me sums it up. Yes, exactly. And there's even grief in that, right? As I parent my kids well, I'm even grieving in that of, oh man, I wish I had a dad like me, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like... Even in doing it well, there's still grief. And so will you honor the grief that comes up rather than having contempt for that grief? Will you grieve boldly? And out of that, the deeper you grieve is the greater you will joy. So coming back to this whole culture of masculinity and how we are defining masculinity, why is it so difficult, not just us men, but also us dads, to be able to say, and just flat out be blunt with ourselves and say, we are broken and we need help. Why is that so difficult for us to yeah. admit and say? Well, I don't know about you, but I don't really like pain, right? <laughs> I, I don't mm -hmm. like to hurt. And so it's really a fundamental thing of like, do you want to suffer? Um, because, you know, from a, from a Christian perspective, where, where I come from, it's do you want to taste crucifixion, um, because you cannot get to resurrection without crucifixion. And so many of us want to skip the crucifixion part and just quickly move to the resurrection. And that's not how it works. The crucifixion is just as true as the resurrection. Um, and you can't have one without the other. And so will you no longer try to skip over the painful parts? And will you enter into the suffering? Will you enter into the pain? Because that's where redemption is found. The redemption definitely seems worth, well worth the pain that you go through to actually yeah. get there in every case. No doubt. Well, that seems to bring some clarity to that, to why, why it is so difficult. And I, I definitely agree with that. It is, in many cases, it has felt like just like that for me when it's difficult to just say, Hey, you know, I need help. And in, to me, I've learned, I've had to learn the fact that admitting that you need help is actually a strength. It is, it is not a weakness. And I've always thought we have to completely reframe, reframe what we're saying and how we're treating that. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. 
what what is what is harder right what is what is more difficult and if you're a dad there's also something to me that is very unselfish about saying I'm going to stop this right here for the sake of my kids. I'm not going to allow this to go another generation, even if it means for right now, I have to deal with the pain right now because it's not fair to bring this on them just to make myself comfortable. Exactly. Yep. And even, even a little step deeper, a lot of times we don't just become the abusers we saw. We actually swing the pendulum to the other side. So if your father was a violent man, um, many times we make a vow and we become the least confrontational person. We become the kindest. We become, in many ways, impotent, where we don't even use your strength because you're so afraid of violence. And that's not the answer either. Swinging the pendulum to the other extreme, that's not how, um, that's not health either, right? And so how do you engage and deal with um, your story so you don't just swing the pendulum and actually become like them just in a different way. Definitely. I look back on my own history and trying to trace where it all went wrong or where it started as far back as I possibly can. And for me, it goes all the way back to one of my grandparents and a decision that he made when he fell on hard times to trust a bottle instead of trusting his heavenly father and leaning on his faith to get him through those hard times yeah, and then being the rock for his family. And that's where I, as far back as I can tell, that's where things started to go wrong. So, and that to me ties into this whole thing of, we feel like we're weak when we need to reach out and ask for help. And that becomes a really big, sore spot for us when it should be our source of strength. In other words, I've had to continually remind myself very purposefully, we were never designed or meant to do this on our own or by ourselves. Well said. Yes. We, we have to have sojourners, right? And it's not just accountability groups, right? This is, it's actually people that will bleed alongside of you that have a healthy relationship with suffering and courage and integrity. And will you journey with, with, with folks, not just in the church, the churchy way, um, but actually an honest, bloody, painful way. What are some of the top issues that you see from dads that you visited at Christian Counseling Center? And why are you seeing those issues so high? Yeah, so we focus a lot on um, sexual health and uh, marital issues and fidelity. Um, so we are constantly, you know, every every week, we, we only do intensive, so people fly in every week and um, and basically are in a precipice of, of the death of their marriage or, um, you know, have recently gotten caught in an affair or um, in the depths of pornography and can't seem to get out, and it's destroying their their lives in many ways. And so that's that's basically what we deal with. And so we see that everywhere, um, you know, pastors. I mean, every. It, sadly, we have job security, unfortunately, because pornography has become such, a, a, you know, an epidemic of proportions just distorting our view of women distorting our view of sex distorting our view of marriage and relationship it's really interesting i just did 
uh, at least two episodes right on the very topic of, of pornography. And uh, there is carnage everywhere throughout society for what it's caused. And I still think that there is a spiritual um, dark energy that is behind it. I mean, I just flat out think that what's really trying to happen here is Satan's trying to discredit God's character. And, you know, it's, it goes back to this whole thing. Work smart, not hard. All you have to do is just knock one dad. And then suddenly a whole bunch of generations fall for what you've done with one person. And as those generations fall, so does God's character. And so when you look at it, it's actually a very, very efficient tactic. But I also know that scripture really calls on us to expose this and bring it right out to the open and bring his agenda, Satan's agenda out public. So everybody understands what's really going on in this war and what our role and what our, what our part is in this war so we can make an informed decision on whose side we're really going to be on. So that's what I believe is really going on. Is that kind of what you see too? Yeah, yeah. Ba- basically, it's an effective strategy. Um, you know, we are all created in the image of God. So what happens when you objectify a woman is you literally strip the image of God from her face. She no longer... Um, is an image bearer. She becomes an object for me to use for my own pleasure, right? And so automatically you wipe out half of more than half of the population on the planet when they become objects for our own pleasure. We power over and that's how we very quickly can become abusive because of our pornographic style of relating. We begin to learn how to engage the world, our partners pornographically which sets us up as power over um, where we then can abuse because women are just a little bit less than, right? Like in the unconscious, we wouldn't actually say that out loud. And that's where many of even damaging theologies can even support that, unfortunately, where women are less than. And so we use that as a way um, to harm rather than to liberate. So what I'm also hearing out of this is that there are many different forms of abuse. Is that correct? Yes. How many exactly are there? Is there a quantifiable number of just how many different forms of abuse there are? Yeah, I don't know the exact amount. But yeah, when you look at, you know, sexual abuse, financial abuse, spiritual abuse, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, like, right, there's there's all sorts of forms of where we where we make the other less than to help ourselves feel better about ourselves. And that's just such an immature way of relating. And my hope is we can outgrow these ways of relating and really heal what's broken within us that's causing us to act out. So it's interesting because one form of abuse from what you're saying is objectifying women. And so pornography encourages that behavior. And at its root, it really comes down to a man or a father who doesn't even understand who he is. He does not have self-respect and does not have self-value and especially no connection with his creator. Yes. Well, and a lot of times it's been normalized, right? Pornography has become so mainstream and uh, pornification has become so mainstream that it's minimized or even in the church. Right. It's just as, oh, well, it's every man's battle. 
And it's almost become this normalization. So it's minimized. Whereas I actually want to maximize it, right? Not not to shame, not, not to toxically shame them, but to, in a sense, feel the weight, feel the guilt of what's actually happening. Um, that it is, it is an affair. It is um, debasing femininity and, and getting us further from God. Um, we actually need to tell the truth about what's happening and how it's actually hijacking our sexual health. You know, my observation is that a lot of Christian churches are not even going there. They're not even talking about it at all, much less mm-hmm. cultivating a redemptive approach for men who are struggling with this. Yeah. I don't really see that at all. Is that, do you see the same thing? Yeah, yeah. If it if it's engaged at all, so either it's not engaged or if it is engaged, you know, I mean, I grew up in the purity culture, right? And it was all about just behavior modification. And the conversation around sex was don't do that until you're married. And then all your sexual fantasies will come true, basically. You know, something like that. And there's no actual robust conversation. There's no education, sexual education. There's no this is how your body works. This is your penis. These are breasts. This is a vagina. This is like actual just education of empowering us. It was a taboo. It was a, ooh, which only breeds what? It only breeds secret sexual behavior. You go underground. If you can't talk about it openly, right? Or if it's taboo or shameful, you actually just go on. So that's what I did. As I was 13 years old, I began to seek out, and the internet became a thing. I began to seek out internet education through other peers at school and oh this is what you do this is how you do it and and now porn became my main mentor oh what a heartbreaking thing but i also grew up in a very strict evangelical conservative culture that did not talk about sex that did not want to that was scared of the topic right and that's why i have such a passion of of bringing out sexual education, sexual health, and not shaming the conversation, but actually creating a robust dialogue that helps empower folks how to engage sexuality in a beautiful, redeeming way. And of course, I've seen the other side of that too, where you have in a physically and unemotion or emotionally unengaged father who won't even talk about it with their kids and or completely avoids the subject yes. for either the fact right. that they may not be physically around to do that, or they just don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And that goes back normally to what has been harmed in you sexually that you don't want to deal with. We're not going to want to engage with our kids sexually if you have your own sexual shame, if you have your own story of sexual abuse, your own story of you know secretive addiction, sexual addiction. Why are you going to want to engage that? You're not. You're going to want to push it as far out as possible because you don't want to engage your own sense of shame, right? So then again, you end up harming your own kids because of your own cowardice to engage your own story in your own sexuality. And I think we forget too that our kids will eventually, they will try to seek out their own answers with or without you. And so when they aren't getting what they need from you, that support, that education and that clarity and that stability from you and understanding, they will go to their friends and it's almost like a gang. And I've seen this theme before and we've dealt with this where you have a missing father 
Well, if you have a missing father in your life and you're a teenager and you're looking for that stability and that support, a lot of kids, especially in the inner city, in the inner cities will go to gangs to find that mm-hmm. sense of family among other broken people instead of actually finding the source for for health, for growing, for learning how to be a stable human being, they'll go find other broken people just like them to find their source of stability. And so we can see the same thing in conversations about sexual health. They'll go to pornography to be educated, right? They'll find their peace, their comfort, because in a sense, porn doesn't reject, right? Like porn is all inclusive. Porn feels all loving, right? And it's not. And yet it's a way to fantasize and to, in a sense, tend to those wounds without actually dealing with the wound. Is there a role that churches can play in discouraging toxic masculinity and abusive relationships? Definitely. We got to talk about it. We got to begin to have hard conversations. When's the last time you've heard a sermon on male violence, right? When's the last time you've heard a sermon on domestic violence? One out of four women are in a domestic violent relationship. That is insane. One out of three women have suffered some type of sexual violence. Is your church talking about this? Is your church addressing this within their walls? If it's not, it's not necessarily a, it's not a safe church. You've, we have to create safer places, right? That actually address the hard things. So to my audience, talking directly to my audience out there, what is the one challenge that you have for dads? Yes, yes. Will you have the integrity and the courage to address what's going on inside? I want you to have kindness to the little boy who still may feel orphaned who lives inside of you and tend to that little boy, love him, care for him, father him. Um, and in that healing, you will be able to love your family in a much more uh, beautiful, full way and in like feel the presence of God much more fully. And to that dad that's listening right now that needs to take action and get help right this minute, how can a listener get a hold of Christian Counseling Center and schedule a session? Yeah, check us out at um, christiancc.org. And we have a, a team of affiliates that do like weekly support, um, therapists and coaches. And then my wife and I do intensives and group work, um, men's groups and different types of, of groups um, to really dive into these core wounds and get that healing that you so long for. And how can we learn more about what you've done and what you are currently doing? And how can we get a hold of your books? Yeah, so check check me out on uh, andrewjbauman.com and uh, christiancc.org. And we've got tons of resources. Um, find my books just on, you know, on Amazon. Um, written six, six books, and you can check those out. Uh, a variety of topics around uh, sexuality, healing, addiction. Um, yeah, check, check that out. I appreciate that. Okay, and just to make things a little bit easier, if you go to thefatherhoodchallenge.com, and you click on this episode in the description, I will post the links below the description just to make it easier. So that wraps up, wraps up our time. Andrew, thank you so much for being with us. It has truly been an honor. Thank you so much.